When I was in my last year of college, I got a placement at a hospital where I work with professionals on the adolescent psych ward. The director and I would do crafts and projects with the teens to help them have an outlet while they were getting treatment. We dealt a lot with mental illness and other medical issues. Every day before we'd see the teens, we'd get a rundown explaining who everyone was and what issues they were being hospitalized for. This one night, we were given the usual report, and the nurse mentioned one teen in particular. This girl who I'll call Joni had all of a sudden just stopped talking and started to act really out of character. She wouldn't respond to family, friends, or doctors, or anyone. She was hospitalized because they became concerned about her harming herself, and they were trying to ensure she was being watched 24-7. They were worried that she was experiencing some type of psychosis. From what I was told, they had checked and ruled out a brain tumor and other possible physiological causes and found nothing abnormal. This was a very old hospital with dark hallways, poorly lit rooms, and the most creepy atmosphere I've ever experienced. It looked like a hospital you'd see in a horror movie. When I walked down the hallways, I remember always being scared Something would jump out at me because there was a lot of blind spots because it's a very old layout. Anyway, this night in particular, the director and I were getting things together for the residents in the kitchen room where we always did our activities. I was sitting close to Joni and tried to initiate conversation, but she would just stare at me blankly. The director tried as well and Joni would not respond. Every now and then, she would just look at us and laugh loudly or smile at me with this glassy eyes. The doctors had tried all day to get her to speak, and she said nothing, so I just chatted and tried my best to include her, even though she wouldn't really engage. I started to doodle on a piece of paper while talking with some of the other teens. On my paper, I just randomly wrote down hi and drew a design around it, not even really thinking about what I was doing. Almost immediately after I wrote the word hi, Joni picked up the pencil and wrote hello. I was shocked to say the least. I was the first person in days she attempted to communicate with. I didn't know if it would work, but I wrote, how are you? And she actually wrote an answer. I was blown away. We exchanged a couple questions and answers. Within a few minutes, this girl and I had written almost a page of conversation and she was communicating through writing with no trouble. Couldn't believe what was happening. I was getting all of this info from a girl that everyone thought was unreachable. We communicated through writing for what seemed like hours, but it was probably just about an hour. While I was asking her how she was feeling about being in the ward, she admitted through writing that she was scared. I kept going, trying to see if she was scared because she was in a strange place or missed her family or what, but she wrote that it was because she saw people in the room with us. Obviously, there were people in the room with us, so I asked why the people in the room scared her. She wrote, because they're dead. I swear when I read that, it felt like my stomach hit the floor. I looked up from the page we were writing on, and she looked at me and then turned her head and stared at the door. No one was there. I mean, I didn't see anyone there. Joni stared at that door for at least a minute, and I swear she saw something there. I was more freaked out than I can even express. I'll never forget the look on her face. Whether or not there was someone there, 
Joni could definitely see someone. I tried to relax myself, and once I got her attention back, we started communicating again through writing. We talked this way until 9 p.m. when my shift was over. She said that the dead people kept their distance from her when other people were around, but when she was in bed at night, they surrounded her and warned her not to even speak or they'd take her away. When I was leaving, I thanked Joni for speaking to me. I collected the papers we had written on, and I showed the entire conversation to the director and the nurse in charge. Everyone on duty was freaked out by what it said. They assured me that the pages would be passed along to the psychiatrist the next morning. I was filled with so many emotions. I was happy I had spoken to her, and she was honest with me, but I was really scared and shaken up. I got home and I remember walking into the living room, and my roommates knew right away something was wrong. I was shaken and blurted out everything that had happened. They were supportive but also freaked out by the situation. I had never been happier to have roommates. If I'd gone home to an empty place, I probably wouldn't have slept at all. Sadly, because of the schedule I had and all the different shift changes at the hospital, I didn't see Joni again and never found out what the final diagnosis was for her. I still get the chills when I think about that look on her face that night when she stared at that door. I don't think I'll ever shake that feeling. I just hope she got the help that she needed. When I was a kid, my dad had a hunting cabin in the middle of the woods. It was a tiny and simple one-room shack, really, but it was my favorite place to go in the world. My dad and I would get plenty of one-on-one bonding time, and I would just forget about the rest of the world for a weekend at a time. My dad was an avid hunter, and I would go into the deer stand with him, but I more just enjoyed spending time with him and being out in nature. We had a couple of ATVs that we would bring and drive around for fun sometimes. They didn't go very fast, but it was a fun way to explore the woods and get some wind in your hair, especially as a kid. One day I was relaxing outside, and I heard this awful roaring sound. I figured it might be a wounded animal and got on my ATV to go investigate. I took off in the direction of the sound and ended up going deep into the woods. I turned my engine off and tried to be as quiet as possible and listened for the sound again. The forest was quieter than I've ever heard it before. Usually you could hear all kinds of insects and all the sounds from wildlife around there. But right then, it was weirdly quiet. I listened for a while and then I figured it must have died. I turned on the ATV and started making my way back up to the house when I heard the roaring again but this time it was way louder. It was coming from right behind me. The sound was the worst thing I've ever heard. It was this ferocious roar, but it sounded like a wolf's howling too, like a combination of a lion and a wolf with a little bit of a demonic growl. It absolutely freaked me out. I just wanted to get out of there, but I was frozen with fear. I slowly looked behind me and there was nothing there. I debated what I should do. Either I get out of there and go to the cabin for safety, or I get a look at what we're dealing with so my dad can shoot it and get rid of it. My curiosity got the best of me, and I headed toward the sound. I heard this awful clicking, bleeding sound, and I flashed my headlights on to see what it was. Standing on its hind legs in front of me was this giant, furry, humanoid creature 
with what looked like huge goat horns on its head. This thing must have been about six or seven feet tall. It had this thick hair all over its muscular body, and it had these creepy wide blue eyes, and it was staring right at me. Suddenly, it let out this terrifying roar and charged right at me. I took off on the ATV, and I could hear it running and grunting and clicking behind me. I was able to get to a part of the woods I was pretty familiar with and started driving as unpredictably as I could while heading back to the cabin. I finally got back to the cabin. I sprinted inside and slammed the door and locked it behind me. My dad asked me what was the matter. I told him that I heard these crazy sounds and then I went to investigate. I told him that I saw this giant goat man and it tried to kill me. I didn't think he'd believe me at first, but when he heard its demonic roar outside the cabin, it was close enough that we actually felt the vibrations of its horrific sound. My dad grabbed a shotgun and charged outside to shoot this beast, but it was nowhere to be found. He told me to stay inside and lock the door, and he walked around the cabin to try to find the beast. About 15 minutes passed, and he came back in and said he couldn't find a single trace of this creature. He asked me where I first found it, and I tried to tell him where, but I was pretty shaken up. We made our way down to where I'd first seen it, slowly and quietly. My dad had the shotgun and the flashlight ready. We eventually made it all the way down to the spot, but the creature was still nowhere to be found, and my dad couldn't track him at all. We made our way back to the cabin, and I told him what the thing looked like. We researched it, and then about a week later, to my astonishment, there are thousands of accounts of people around Maryland and Pennsylvania and Texas who have all seen this tall, half-goat, half-human. It's famously referred to as the Goat Man. I couldn't believe it. The physical description of what all these people saw matches what I saw. Seven feet tall, muscular, fur all over its body, huge goat horns, and wide-set eyes. They also claim that they heard the same thing I did. This bleeding, clicking, roaring, and howling. It was very validating to hear that so many people had the same experience as me. But it made me wonder why this information wasn't more well known. Is it possible that the people in power are trying to hide the existence of such creatures from the public in order to control us? I'm writing from a small town in Louisiana. It's to the southeast of New Orleans, about 45 minutes, and we have a lot of bayous out there. A bayou is kind of swamp-like. The water moves slowly and it can be marshy or lake-like, but it's never really deep. A lot of people out this way go into bayous to fish or to hunt, and I grew up in a family that did the same. My uncle actually ran a business that took groups out into the bayou on an airboat. It was a really small business and mostly for sightseeing alligators, which are very common in Louisiana waterways. If you're from the area, you're familiar with the general safety around alligators and know just how prevalent they are. It's not really a concern for the locals, but tourists love seeing alligators. And it was a quick way for my uncle to make money and to get to spend his days outside. When my uncle was running the airboat, usually four days a week, for a few hours a day. I was in college a few hours away and would come home on the weekends. I liked college, but it was draining for me to be in a bigger city and more populated area too. So it was nice to come home and relax a little. 
Plus, the food was a lot better. On one of my visits home, we had a fried chicken dinner to celebrate midterms being over. My younger brother, who was going off to college the next year, was stirring up a lot of trouble and making everybody laugh. Some of my little cousins were there too, but my Aunt Cheryl said my uncle was taking out the last boat of tourists for the day. It was maybe a little afternoon at this point. So we were all helping getting dinner ready, shucking corn and mixing the batter, all that kind of stuff, or watching football and hanging out. I thought it'd just be another weekend at home, but about 45 minutes later, my uncle showed up looking really distressed. Now my uncle is a pretty fun-loving guy. He's always got a joke in his back pocket, and he loves to wrestle and mess around. He's great with his kids and just kids in general. But when he stepped into my parents' house, he was out of breath and looked strained, like his face was a purple-red color. My first thought was that there was something wrong with him. My grandma and aunt had him sit down and were fussing around him. My brother and I both noticed what was going on, so we popped into the kitchen from watching football and hung out around the back, trying to pick up what was going on. He drank an entire glass of Coke, and the sugar seemed to help him. When he loosened up a little and everyone was going back to their work, he finally admitted he had seen something strange in the bayou. Not just him, but five tourists he had on the airboat, too. He was giving the usual tour when he saw a ripple of water down a side waterway that looked like a decent-sized alligator breaking the surface. That waterway was narrow and not on his usual route, but he decided to head down there anyway due to the possibility of seeing a big gator. They'd mostly seen young adults, the teenagers of the gator world who are long and thin. So he had maneuvered the airboat carefully down that channel and had everyone keep an eye out for a bigger gator, probably hanging around the surface or the shore areas. I interrupted him and asked him how far out he was, and he said it was maybe 20 minutes from his dock. He was on a roll now, vomiting the whole story out, and revealed out a younger kid in the group, maybe 10 or 12. He called out and pointed. My uncle cut the engine and they drifted back while he looked. He obviously has a great eye for gators, and saw what the kid was pointing out, but it looked wrong to him. First of all, the scales were a darker blue-green color than a gator's, and less raised and ridged. They weren't smooth, but close to it. The thing they were looking at was up under a bald cypress with a fair amount of moss hanging off the lower broken branches. So it wasn't immediately clear. As they drifted by a few feet, the creature was about 8 or 10 feet away from them. My uncle got a clear look and started the engine back up right away. What he saw wasn't an alligator, but what looked like a lizard man rising half out of the bayou. He was reaching up and gripping the cypress and trying to hide his face. But my uncle could see that his arms were human arms with webbed hands. Not the awkward short legs of a gator. It was harder for him to see the face. But he saw a hole on the side of the head that many lizards have as ears. And a snout that was much shorter than a gator's and like I said, less ridged. The creature was obviously trying to avoid being seen, and my uncle was freaked out, so he drew everyone's attention to the other side of the channel. But a last glimpse showed him that the lizard man was wearing a very tattered shirt and was soaked. He figured a different way back to his dock so they wouldn't have to pass that area. I asked if it was because he wanted the creature to escape, and he said yes, but I think he also just didn't want to see it again. 
Not too long after that, the tourist season died down a bit, and I was back at college. My uncle eventually decided to shut down his business and work as an auto service tech instead. He's happy he stays busy now, but that thing must have really freaked him out because he loved going on the bayou.